Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion about rewiring your brain and how understanding your brain will help you fully live your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. My name is Christina Dennis. I am a recovery coach um, who specializes with breaking codependent patterns. Um, I have been on my road of recovery since 1997, and this is Recovered Life Discussions. And just to put a little... uh, Disclaimer up front, this is replayed and it is actually rebroadcasted. So um, we do hope many people will participate in the discussion, but a couple of ground rules. We want to always use first names only and we want to always be respectful. So just want to put that out there. It's my mod, Deanna, is back with us after a couple of weeks of not being able to participate. Good morning, Deanna. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited that you're back. And I um, I can't tell you how happy I am to have this final conversation. I don't think it's the final conversation, but we'll say it's the final conversation in this series uh, in Rewire Your Brain Room. Uh, for uh, our beloved Dr. Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart. And the second part of that book title is Cultivating Meaningful Connections. And we started this four months ago, and it has been a complete labor of love um, on my part. And I know uh, the same is with Deanna uh, for really breaking down uh, the... um, what she brought for, forth in this book. And uh, we've been studying the last chapter for three weeks. And so I wanna let everybody know right off the bat, you do not have to or did not have to be part of any of the previous conversations to gain some value out of today's conversation because I feel, and Deanna and I were just talking before we officially opened the room, that there is, so much that the recovery world gets out of this book and already does quite well um, in a way that I think sometimes if you have uh, stumbled upon this book outside of the recovery world, and we know millions of people watch and listen to Brene Brown, that you may not, um, may be kind of more uncomfortable or confusing. And so just a quick brief recap of the book Um, Atlas of the Heart, Cultivating Meaningful Connections, we spent many weeks discussing experiences and emotions. And I learned so much and and I plan on re-listening to this book. Deanna read it and I listened to it and it's been great because we've had, you know, some real interesting um, uh, perspectives because of the difference that we, the book was delivered to both of us, I think. But um, it is shocking to me some of the information that came out. And Deanna, I want to ask you, was there any one thing that stood out to you um, in the emotions and experiences that you'd like to share with us right now? I love that you asked me that question. It's so Um, huge, right? (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you asked the question because uh, before I'd read this chapter about twice, but it'd been a week or so. And um, so we, I knew this was the, the end of our book. And so I sat down and, and just wrote Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And I just, I, I've said to myself, read the sleeve of the book because the book, the sleeve is pretty good. It wraps up my feelings about the book. But then I said, favorite chapters for myself. And I said, currently, today, my favorite chapters are chapter one, two, seven, eight, and nine. And the reason I chose those chapters for today is because I realized that because I have the book in front of me, I can use it as a guide. So today I was having some emotions that I couldn't quite understand what they were. I, I, so I went to my book and I just read the index of it and I was like, okay, how am I feeling? And I, I just read the way she uh, labels the, the chapters is, and you'll have this in the audio book too, um, kind of like places we go when we fall short. That's number, that's chapter eight, places we go when we fall short. And so I just kind of like look at that guide and like, you know, that might be how I'm feeling. And so I checked in with the chapter. I'm just using that as an example. But I have found that, that this, just doing this this morning, um, is going to be a game changer. For, well, not a game changer because I'm already doing this, but it's super beneficial to come back and check in with those feelings that we've been learning about and see if I can identify them, which just being I being able to identify them is is that's that's a big thing for me. So I I'm going to have to read this book again. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thanks for asking. No, I love that. And I think that's a great suggestion. <clears throat> you know, I, I might buy it in hard copy too, because I, and I really highly recommend that people, you know, get a copy of the book. You can go listen to all the chapters on replay and it's awesome. I think that you could do that at the same time as reading each chapter and seeing, you know, if you agree with the information that was presented and all the viewpoints so people could conduct their own little book study um, just using what is already out there um, on the replay. But you're right. There's no way I would be able to glean you know, one or two things. I can tell you right now what's popping out of my head was when we learned that resentment was part of the envy family. That really did um, blow my mind. And for all of us that are in the recovery world, if you follow a 12-step um, program, you know that word resentment is charged. And so that was pretty amazing. And and I don't want, I want to make sure we get time to people to talk about uh, you know, even though I think I could have an entire separate room and maybe will for people who've read the book, you know, to kind of do a recap. That might be a very cool idea to do a discussion about everyone who was part of this. And and today, if you want to come up and share what really stood out to you in the series, please be comfortable. The final chapter of the book it really zeroes in on cultivating meaningful connections. And the reason why we read I don't know, 10 chapters, 11 chapters prior to about it is because language was one of the core needs of all three of these um, elements to meaningful connection. And that is why she started with basically a glossary of emotions and experiences. 
And the three key elements are grounded confidence, walking alongside someone, and good story stewardship. And we went through those the last two weeks. Um, and um, I think, you know, we could even do more and more and more about it. But it also kind of brings in this idea that this is based on, on uh, grounded theory. You know, she does a little quick science lesson where we understand that we all might have inklings of why, you know, everybody uses theory in their life. You know, if you do this, you'll get every green light or, you know, this is why we're not getting green lights. But she talks about the actual science behind it and what went into making the book, which I just, you know, gobbled up um, because that really brought some legitimacy to it. And it made me feel like I'm not the only one who feels this way. And in that, you know, we realize that there are other key things that we need to like for me to focus on embodiment was one that really stuck out to me but why do we need to do all these things and and because connection is why we are here and so I want to ask Deanna uh, who has the hard cap um, kind of to read the last couple of pages to us it only takes a couple of minutes um, but I think that it will help bring about a wonderful conversation. And so, Deanna, um, if you will start uh, kind of sharing where, you know, Brene talks about why she, why she wrote the book and what we can glean from it as an overall theme. All right, I am going to start right here, which you can't see, but this is where I'm starting. Atlas of the Heart. And just so you know, these are Brene Brown's words I'm reading. They're not mine, but I will read them as if I'm saying them myself, as if I wrote them myself. <clears throat> While I experienced a lot of tough moments growing up, there were also countless gifts. It sometimes feels like it has to be one or the other, but as we learned in this book, both things can be true and often are true. One of the most valuable gifts in my life was from my mom. She taught us to never look away from pain. The lesson is, was simple and clear. Don't look away. Don't look down. Don't pretend not to see hurt. Look people in the eye, even when their pain is overwhelming. And when you're hurting and in pain, find the people who can look you in the eye. We need to know we're not alone, especially when we're hurting. Even in my 50s, I find myself wrestling with the same questions that left me confused as a kid. Why do we cause each other so much pain? And why do we turn away from hurt when the only way to the other side of struggle is through it? I don't know why it's so hard to understand. I've been known to run from vulnerability like someone is chasing me. Granted, not very often anymore. It just takes so much more energy and creates so much more emotional churn than having a seat and asking hurt or uncertainty to pull up a chair. Doing this research and writing this book has taught me that our emotions and experiences are layers of biology, biography, behavior, and backstory. Every single day, our feelings and experiences show up in our bodies. They're shaped by where we come from and how we were raised. They drive how we show up, and each feeling has its own unique backstory. Understanding these emotions and experiences is our life's work. The more we learn, the deeper we can continue to explore. 
I've also learned something that has changed how I move through my life on a daily basis. Our connection with others can only be as deep as our connection with ourselves. If I don't know and understand who I am and what I need, want, and believe, I can't share myself with you. I need to be connected to myself in my own body and learning what makes me work. This is how I start to develop the grounded confidence I need to move through the world and cultivate meaningful connection with others. Before this work, I didn't give enough importance to spending time and energy connecting with myself. I made that optional if I had anything left after connecting with others. It wasn't working, and now I know why. In this life, we will know and bear witness to incredible sorrow and anguish, and we will experience breathless love and joy. There will be boring days and exciting moments, low-grade disappointment and seething anger, wonder and confusion. The wild and ever-changing nature of emotions and experiences leaves our hearts stretched-marked and strong, worn and willing. My hope is that we find this solid ground within us, that shore that offers safe harbor when we're feeling untethered and adrift. The more confident we are about being able to navigate to that place, the more daring our adventures and the more connected we are to ourselves and to each other. The real gift of learning language, practicing this work, and cultivating meaningful connection is being able to go anywhere without the fear of getting lost, even when we have no idea where we are or where we're going. With the right map, we can find our way back to our heart and to our truest self. Brene Brown. Mm. And I think that's such a, it, I mean, what a beautiful way to to finish um, the work that we've done. Um, and so, you know, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who wanted to come along this ride, who popped in and popped out, because, you know, I've been recovering for some time now. And I think uh, what I know for sure, I can, you know, put in the palm of my hand, you know, <laughs> Uh, as far as what other people are feeling or, or what, um, you know, new emotions that show up. And even after 25 years of coming to places like this and having these real conversations, uh, I, I would say that, wow, this is something that I never want to stop doing and I never want to stop learning. But I just love the the fact that it all kind of boils down to the real gift is that we belong to ourselves. And, you know, I came up in recovery through 12 steps and there is a motto on, you know, any kind of 12 step coin that says to thine own self be true. And I used to be a little confused about that. You know, I would hear things like this is a selfish program, um, but then, the 12th step is about being of service. And I, I just want to say that it's, it, it's one of the things that I think is so beautiful about the recovery program. It's one of the things that I believe and I will always be eternally grateful for. The, the way I started down my road of recovery was with other people and having these meaningful connections. And um, I, I can't help but <clears throat> feel a little um, proud 
of the fact that I'm in recovery. And uh, when, <clears throat> excuse me, Clubhouse started during the pandemic, when it really took off and there were all these rooms of people having these amazing conversations and really a lot of meaningful connection I think was happening. It was so interesting for me to see that there were a lot of people who were saying things like, I've never had this happen before. I've never seen this before. And I have to say, I'm so grateful for my, my recovery because I had had those kind of conversations before and I had had those meaningful connections. And so I'm gonna take some of the knowledge that I learned and I'm gonna reread to see what sticks out to me and come up with uh, even a deeper plan. Um, for many people, I think many people know Brene Brown is in recovery. Um, she actually, I think, just celebrated 25 years as well. And I think it says something about what the world needs, you know, and what is important. And, um, and I'm just so grateful that, uh, that there have been some things that have happened in our world. And even though it feels super painful and uncertain, um, I, I really get what she's saying. If I belong to myself, then I can never be lost. And I'd love to turn it over to Deanna to kind of share your thoughts and send out some invitations because I'd really love to hear people, um, people's responses to that. Thank you so much, Christina. And I just want to give a deep, deep heartfelt gratitude to you for, for hosting this room and for doing all the work that you did to, to do this book club, this virtual book club for us. I know, especially not having the book in your hand, you did a lot of work and a lot more than I did. So, <laughs> so everybody uh, just know Christina is amazing. And I've benefited so much from this book and from listening to Christina's sharing and ev everyone else's shares. I found that for myself personally, I got sober three months before COVID happened. And um, it, it was a blessing that somebody invited me to Clubhouse that year. And I don't know, I, thankfully I don't have to think about it, but I don't know what my recovery would look like had I not been invited to Clubhouse and given the opportunity to share in these spaces. And, and then to have, I mean, just be this opportunity here where Christina said, hey, I'm doing this book club. Uh, do you wanna participate with me? These things would have never happened, um, one, had I not gotten sober. So there's the massive gratitude for that. It makes me cry thinking about it. And, and, and it makes me realize what I want in my future. And this book is just like a pivotal moment for me, especially today. My little sister just got engaged to be married a week or two ago. And there's a lot of divorce and half siblings and step siblings in my family and things get super complicated and emotions get fumbled. And this book is giving me the opportunity to check in on myself and to see how I'm feeling and how I want to show up for the rest of the people in my life. Because what I do know is I love connection. 
I love being connected to my family, which is seems to be harder than any other connections I have. Um, I love to be connected to to everybody, but right now that I'm two and a half years sober, being connected to other like-minded people that are trying to be the best versions of themselves is is really important to me. And uh, so this, just having this one hour a week to check in and read this book and really go deep in it, I've, I'm able, I'm learning how to cultivate better connections with other people, but honestly, by connecting with myself more. And I, I'm unbelievably grateful, so grateful. I'm totally going to read this book again. I'm going to use it as a guide to go back to the chapters. Um, it's helped me in my own marriage, uh, being able to identify how I'm feeling to my husband, because I often flood him with things. And I've, I'm, I've learned so much from this book. So I'm just, I'm super grateful. And if I would love to hear if anybody else wants to come up and share anything, whether it be about the book, or if you just want to come up and check in and say hi, or I don't know, maybe you had a bad morning or a great morning, um, then I would love to hear from you guys. But also, if you're just hanging out and listening, that's perfectly awesome, too. So I'm just going to take a breather for a moment. Thanks so much. Mm, thank you, Deanna. I love that you shared all that. I mean, that is one of the cool things about... Uh, <clears throat> recovery life discussions is that you can get experiences. And I think that, that, you know, from somebody who's been around a while and somebody who's newer, and I'll have to say this, um, prior to getting sober, prior to trying to learn about myself, you know, like she says, these uh, connections that we have can only be as deep as how much we know about ourselves. And being somebody who treated my codependency with alcohol and food and uh, sex and, you know, compulsively deading, I really had no idea who I was. And I was killing myself with alcohol to kind of fit in to the world, um, you know, and I was changing who I was if there ever even was a person um, there. And slowly but surely, I have been on a quest and that's where I go back to thine own self be true and it's a selfish program to figure out who I am, who I am, why do I believe the things that I believe, are they in fact even, um, you know, truthful uh, or, you know, I continue to learn that there are so many paradoxes in our life and living in that tension, being comfortable with multiple feelings being comfortable sharing them, being comfortable with being messy actually brings me so much more peace. And um, you know, we talked about this yesterday in the Recovered Life discussion about the paradox of grief and gratitude. Well, recovery is where I learned about gratitude. Recovery is, is the place that somebody said, you don't feel great. Or your, bot, or your mind is telling you just one side of the story, that things are terrible and you're not going to be okay and everybody's mean to you. I also want you to look at the things that are great. And what I think this book continues to reinforce for me is that paradox that both feelings can happen at the same time. That I, uh, when I, it's, it's not that recovery 
replaced all of my beliefs because some of my fears were real, right? It's not that it just said, don't look over there. You know, brainwashing, I hear a lot of times people will say, oh, it's brainwashing. But I believe that that is not true. It is the expansion of information and it's my acceptance of the fact that things are not black and white. Uh, the only thing I've ever been able to do in my recovery program 100% is not pick up a drink. Everything else has been a spectrum. And the more I am comfortable with things not being absolute and the more open I am, the more, um, the more, more I'm open to change, the more solid I feel. And I think that uh, that's a really important thing to discuss. And so some of you might be asking, why was this in the brain room, right? We're talking a lot about feelings uh, and a lot about, you know, emotions and experiences. And the reason why I picked the book and then, you know, asked uh, the, the people who come to this room more often um, that uh, is this something we want to experience was that I knew right from the beginning in reading this book uh, that we needed, I needed more language. I needed more information um, so that I could share about what is actually going through my my body, what I am feeling. There's an emotions wheel that has been uh, shared over and over again in Recovered Life. You can find it if you just want to Google emotions wheel and take some time to study it because I didn't have words for sometimes the way I felt. And she also shared this in the last chapter that the near enemy of actually understanding our emotions is having a limited vocabulary. And so the book started off with, let's get more language attached to this so we can get closer to our feelings and we can um, be known. You know, we can know our feelings and we can share them. Good, steward, good story stewardship depends not only on how we keep other people's stories and we don't try to take them over. It is also about how careful we are with our story. And that is very necessary for me to be known. I need to show up as I am. And I didn't know how to do that before. Um, I, I dabble in it. And so, you know, we went through 87 emotions. I'm not sure before this book if I would have um, been able to name off 87 emotions outside of looking at that emotions wheel. So I, the reason why we're talking about feelings in, an, in a neuro room is because we know that the more we think about these things, the more that we understand them, the more that we train our brain to add more expansion to our understanding, you know, then we have the language to say what we're feeling. Uh, and some of the feelings were not a lot of fun, anguish, despair, but also uh, one lesson that came up for me in this book in particular that I think I will keep with me always is that hope is not a feeling. Hope is a cognitive process. And the three parts that I need to have in order to cultivate hope um, is, you know, knowing where I want to go 
having a goal, having something in sight. And then that's A, and then B is being flexible. You know, there could be a thousand different ways to get to where I want to go, <clears throat> which is great. I mean, this is me expanding. I have an idea of who I am and what I want. And then I, you know, share that and I'm vulnerable and willing to look at all kinds of ways to get there. You know, the, the life of the grades and options. And then, of course, the C part of having hope is believing I deserve it. And in those three components alone, in that one discussion about hope, have changed me forever. Mm, that was that was really good, Christina. I'm just over here, like soaking it, soaking it all in, and just thinking, like what everything you just said really has me hopeful. It has me processing or visualizing, visualizing what certain things are going to look like for me as I cultivate meaningful connection. And for me, I have very specific things right now in my life, very specific people that I want to be closer to. I have two sisters. I have two brothers. Uh, my mother-in-law, since we have learned, since part of this book was learning that resentment is, can also actually be um, jealousy or envy. So I've learned so much from this, but I, the hope that really, that settles nicely in me right now because it's a struggle. And it, and I have these, I have lots of feelings of um, just the, not, not the good feelings, you know, the ones that I've identified that like, I don't, I don't want to feel those that way. But in order to get to the good stuff and to, to achieve what you're hoping for, to achieve what I'm hoping for, I have to look at the yucky stuff and, and just accept it or recognize it, identify it, and then go from there. Because I know what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to cultivate relationships with people from a non-existent place. And there's nothing to work with there. And so like for me specifically, I'm, I'm my heart is just with my sisters right now. And I'm trying to be this great, amazing big sister and support them and love them. And and we have a very large age difference. And so it's it's difficult and there are struggles and I, I wanna meet them where they are. And there's no animosity between us, so that's really fun. But learning, learning about the language that I can share with them. And my little sister, she's 23, she actually posted to social media the other day about boundaries. And I, my heart leapt, leapt out of my chest. I was so excited that that she is even has that on her radar because I've not been, I don't communicate these things with them. So um, I'm, I'm starting to, and I'm, I'm learning to, so I, I get really personal in here. I hope y'all don't mind. <laughs> no, I think it's beautiful. No, I think it's beautiful. It's really beautiful to be able to have that courage and share. And, um, you know, I know that in the past and even, you know, yesterday was a, a particularly a uh, personal day for me in one of uh, the rooms. Um, and it's, um, it is that, that's all about story stewardship. And 
it's all about having the grounded confidence. And so I think I'm going to look at, at my relationships and, and take the time to see the three key elements and where, you know, those meaningful connections can happen. And of course, grounded confidence is about us taking care of ourselves. It's about all the things that we do to, you know, remain teachable and to remain, um, you know, with humility and stay there. It's about, you know, who we are and a lot of recovery work and specifically the 12 steps or any spiritual path that people pick up, that's kind of that work. And then being able to walk alongside with somebody is absolutely where I have to take my codependency to task. And, you know, or that feeling um, that I think a lot of addicts relate to of wanting to control. And of course, you know, all of that comes down to the third element about good story stewardship. And, you know, how do I protect my story and share it with people that are able to handle it, that are capable of listening or, you know, have the room in their life to be able to do it. And so I'm going to forever, my uh, relationship inventory will include these three key elements. And I have to tell, you know, say something really positive about uh, my current life and, you know, being sober 25 years later, I am so blessed to now have really, really grounded confidence and have ideas about behaviors uh, and how to arrest my maladaptive behaviors as a codependent, uh, where I want to, you know, be the leader or I want to help. You know, we also used and talked last week about the sunny side of control is help. And um, of course, the third one that understanding that my story and everybody's story is precious and valuable. And once I've gotten to a place where I have, you know, the language uh, to, to actually have a story and I'm able to express it, who I share it with um, matters. And so I think it's been, it's been such an amazing conversation. I want to kind of give anybody who showed up a little bit of time if you want to come up or if any of the information we shared and you feel like adding to the conversation, I also respect taking your time and letting this information seep into you and taking care of yourself. And um, Deanna, do you have anything else you wanna add? Yeah, I'm, I could really just write all this in my journal, but while, while I have your attention, <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, but I, while listening to you speak, I'm thinking that about story stewardship and sharing my own story. And that is one of the hardest things for me to uh, connect with people that are, that are su supposed to be close in close to me, like my family, um, is that I have some scary stories uh about how i became the person that i am today which i really like the person i am today so those stories are i mean people don't need to know them in detail but like that's one of the things where i'm just sitting in fear 
uh, like with my sisters, especially because they're they're young 20s and I want us to be so close and I want to share with them um, my own struggles and um, just not that they, I don't want them to take the path that I have, but just that we can connect through story stewardship. And I fear, though, I fear that that it's that that I will that I will become a scary person to them, to mm. people that think I am just bubbly and wonderful. I have had people say to me that have known me for several years that I finally decided to share some personal things, and they just straight up did not believe me. And that that was a little harsh. And so I that's something that I have to that I'm working on. And so I'm really glad that you brought fear up um, because at least being able to identify that I'm afraid of something that I can work. on, I, That's a place that I can start and I can work on that. And so, yeah, I I, I agree with you, Christina, that this book can just go on and on and on, or just the conversations around all of these topics can just be infinite. So um, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board to, to have another discussion any, any other time too. So thank you, Christina. Oh, we totally will. And so, you know, you brought up a really good point and I want to share this with everybody. If um, you are not part of Recovered Life, please uh, hit the link. It's completely free. Um, once you join Recovered Life, we set you up on Volley, which is a really great kind of, you know, video app. And you can ask questions, get coaching for free, do all of that and just continue to grow. And I would be remiss if I didn't offer that. Um, I also want to mention that we will be talking about boundaries. And I so got what you said, Deanna, when we see somebody using recovered language, um, and we see enlightenment happening. It's really exciting. You know, you're like, whoa, that person's already thinking about boundaries. And it took me till my 30s to think about what boundaries actually meant. And there's just this kind of glee and applause when we see how people are developing in their own story. But, uh, you know, I would love for everybody to mark their calendar tomorrow. We'll be in the Setting Healthy Boundaries room sharing more about recovery, uh, specifically from a codependent lens and recovering from codependency. And if anybody has any thoughts or feelings that have shown up, please feel comfortable to DM me on this app. Um, and I think that we don't need to, to stick around. Um, I am perfectly fine closing the room. It's been such a beautiful experience. And uh, I hope that everybody you know, takes uh, a moment and maybe looks or thinks about buying this book and just diving into it um, deeper within yourself. It's been a, a tremendous spiritual experience for me, and I highly recommend it. And Deanna, thank you for showing up week after week after week and being, you know, that that partner, such a, such a good experience with you. You have a beautiful heart and you have so much strength and courage that you send to us every week when you show up in yourself and you are yourself. 
So I just want to say thank you, Christina, before you close the room down, because I want you to have the final word. I just want to say thank you for this space and for everything that you've done. And you have given so much insight and wisdom. And so I just want to say I appreciate you so much. And thanks for asking me to do this with you. This has been um, a great thing for me to be a part of. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Definitely God was in the mix or higher power. And if there's something that every, uh, if there is a next subject that people will want to talk about in regards to rewiring your brain or anything, you know, if you have an interest in a subject and you want to have me lead a discussion on that, please DM me. This is definitely a community in Recovered Life. I love having input and having people share what they'd like to discuss. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.